Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the right fit for drivers with my friend Beth Potraz. Beth is the founder and CEO of Drive My Way, a unique personalized recruiting service that matches CDL truck drivers with available jobs based on their qualification and personal preferences. If you are a company and you are struggling to recruit and retain the very best drivers, or you are a driver looking for just the right fit, please check out our conversation. How's it going, Beth? Good, Joe. How are you? Thanks for having me today. I'm very excited to have you on my podcast. We are supposed to be doing this months ago, but finally we're there. Please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today. My name is Beth Potras, and I'm the founder and CEO for Drive My Way. We're here based in Cleveland, Ohio. We have a personalized recruiting marketplace with a patented technology that matches truck drivers with jobs based on their professional qualifications and personal lifestyle preferences. We're really passionate about empowering drivers to live the life they want doing a job they love and helping carriers to recruit for retention. Awesome. Awesome. So the problem you solve, do you solve this for, are you working with carriers or are you working with truck drivers? Who do you work with? We're working with both. I'm a human resources professional by trade. And I had this idea back in the late 90s when I was trying to recruit engineers to move to Cleveland, Ohio. And I came up with this idea that employers are going to need to start treating employees as consumers in the employment relationship whose needs are going to change throughout their career. So it's not the one size fits all package, but it was way early on. We were just introducing cafeteria benefit plans at the time in the industry. So fast forward, when I was recruiting for a really large trucking company, I realized when I was helping them redesign their driver recruiting process that this was, in fact, a real need and the perfect kind of application for my idea. So I jumped out and founded Drive My Way, really trying to make hiring personal again and doing that by treating the driver as a consumer. So we're working with drivers, both CDL, non-CDL drivers looking to work for a company. We're also working with owner operators who are looking to lease themselves on with a carrier And then we're helping, of course, the carriers get matched up with drivers who are not only qualified based on their minimum qualifications to do their job, but who are also inclined to want it because it fits their personal lifestyle preferences. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I like what you're saying. So I was looking at your website (laughs) and I saw it says, we help drivers take control of their benefits their careers, and their lives. And that's what we expect today. We're not in our grandparents or our great-grandparents' world where you're like, hey, your job sucks and you have to take it and be tough and tough it out. People are like, "Eh, I'll tough it out, but I'm going to go do something I want to do. If I don't feel respected, if I don't see, if I don't feel like they value my life beyond my being there and doing my job, then screw them. I'll be on to the next project. A hundred percent. We spend too much time at work. And in today's world, 
everybody's expecting a personalized experience in everything we do. You can't even go to Starbucks without an order of coffee without it. Why shouldn't hiring be the same? And by the way, a, a friend of mine, Matt Collins over at Sun Ant Interactive said to me a few years ago, we were working on a project and we didn't like the people we were working with. And he said, Joe, he goes, life is short. You only want to be part of good stories. And I was like, I love that. I only want to be part of good stories. So I don't want as an as a carrier to bring on someone who's not a right fit, who's not going to be happy, who's not going to thrive. And as a driver, I'm in the same boat. I don't want that. <laughs> like, I can find there's plenty of work out there. <laughs> That's right. It certainly is. And to be honest, when you think about it, it's a real viable career for people. You can start right out of high school. Not everybody's cut out to go to college or wants to go to college. It's a true profession. And there's all kinds of different varieties and flavors that you can get involved in, all the way up to becoming an entrepreneur yourself and and being an owner-operator. Yes, yes. And by the way, I'm beginning to feel this way. If a university has an endowment, maybe you shouldn't go there. <laughs> if they say we do, re- if they do research, maybe you go, yeah, that's cool. You do research. Just teach me something. I think we need to really rethink college and get out of this four-year mindset. And by the way, I love the whole, I'm, I'm a college football fanatic. You probably have to be because you're in Ohio, but I love <laughs> to watch the college kids play football and I'm a good fan. I don't ever cheer bad things for any of these teams. And, but I feel four years and the amount of debt you can go into for a degree that is not always that useful is a crying shame. So I just feel like we're going to have to rethink that. And by the way, I do think we're seeing it. I, I interviewed a few profs from MIT and they are rethinking the way we do supply chain degrees over there. Anyway, Beth, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Drive My Way. Yeah, so I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, which is uh, a coincidence. When I went to my first trucking conference, I was at at um, Matt's. I had a I struck up a conversation with the driver, and he said, "Oh, you're from Ohio." He said, "Did you know why they call Ohio the heart of it all?" And I thought, "I'm embarrassed. I grew up in Ohio. I have no idea." And he said, as far as we're concerned, it's because you can't cut across America without passing through Ohio uh, on the roads in the truck. That kind of stuck with me because obviously we founded the, I founded the company from here and it's nice to think of ourselves as the hub, the heart of it all. But I did grow up in Cleveland. I went on to Loyola University of Chicago. Very nice. Met my husband. Yeah, in Chicago. And so it's my second home. I, I really, truly love the city. And we moved back home to Cleveland, where I worked for Rockwell Automation for a while, and then went back to Chicago after my two daughters were born and worked for Unilever. So we've been a family that's bounced back and forth between Chicago and Cleveland, certainly for most of my life, which makes it tough, especially the year that the Cubs played the Indians in the World Series. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I I think I can say this. We all know Chicago's a big hub for transportation logistics, obviously. I think we all see Tennessee now as a similar hub. Dalton, Georgia, it's got the carpet, and then we got Chattanooga, Silicon Valley of trucking. But Ohio is one of the, I I talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people from Ohio. I would say Ohio and Michigan, this is where the supply chain was born. There was, but prior to automotive and uh, a lot of automotive is down in Ohio. 
prior to automotive, we didn't have these massive supply chains that spread out across the country. By the way, I joke about it. Years ago, I was working in an automotive and somebody called a recruiter and said, yeah, we just need a really good supply chain guy like you, blah, blah, blah. And I was kept saying, why does he keep saying supply chain? What is that? I like, I wrote it down. And I had to call another friend who was a recruiter. I was like, they want to recruit me for a supply chain job? Because what is that? <laughs> like, but anyway, getting back to it. We own the supply chain. The supply chain started here. And on that, they're all everywhere now, but people overlook Ohio and it is a flyover state. That's the problem with the flyover states. We just assume, oh, they're just a whole bunch of farmers. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, but we're pretty resilient and we have a whole lot of grit. Yeah. We know how to get things done. By the way, there's a, that's a pretty smart group there doing farming too. Another topic. So continue on and then tell us your next job and then also when and why you started Drive My Way. Yeah, so I really started in human resources. Throughout my career, I've done a lot in terms of leading large transformational changes in organizations and in my consulting and helping with the intersect between talent and process and helping organizations grow their capabilities at the individual level, the team level, and from a leadership perspective. So I did a lot of work in that space. And when I was redesigning the driver recruiting process, like I said, for a carrier, I realized this is an industry. Trucking is an industry that's vital to the economy and was growing through a lot of pain points and had some huge projections in terms of growth. And trucker, truck driver was for a very long time, the number one profession across the U.S. after farmer. And it still today stands that way. But then you pop up with new jobs we never imagined, like web developer and things like yeah, that. Data analysts. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the data analysts. But you know, trucker is still there. And it was built on generations of families. And those that are coming into this next generation, they watch their parents, their grandparents miss their soccer games, not be at their concert. This ne next generation of talent really wants a balance. They want to have it all. And I still believe that trucking could be sexy again as a career. It, there's something out there for everyone. It's just a matter of getting you matched up with something that's going to fit your lifestyle. And there are so many different types of trucking positions, everything from starting even as a dock worker to get into the seat, a driver helper, a lumper, a local delivery driver. And now after COVID, we've seen a huge increase in last mile and people able to even use their own vehicles or they're the owner of a sprinter van or a local box truck um, to do those types of deliveries all the way on up to CDLB, adding endorsements, uh, you know, getting into hazmat tanker, all of those. For people who don't do it every day, what is a CL, CDL and then what is a CDLB? So a commercial driver's license is the type of license that you need to do to haul freight. And the level of license that you need is dependent upon the size and type of truck that you're operating or vehicle that you're operating. So a CDLA would be somebody who can transport across interstate lines, generally driving a, a tractor trailer. They can drive a lower type of equipment with an A because that lets you do everything. A CDLB is going to be a smaller type of equipment. So you might only need a CDLB for a, like a larger box truck. You may need it for a garbage truck. There's all different kinds of equipment. Got it. Got it. Before we hit record, we were talking about just this whole challenge with driving. 
And also, I, I want to set the table a little bit here. Is we are a pretty well-off country, and we're happy. And there's, I'm a baby boomer, and as the baby boomers retire, we have a big shortage. The next generation is not nearly as big as the baby boomers. So we're a well-off country, and we're going to have fewer people. So we're going to have to start with the mindset that you've just described, which is we're going to have to start treating the people who take jobs as consumers. Now, by the way, going, if I'm a web designer and I, I'm a web designer, a coder, someone along those lines, and I'm being recruited by Google and Amazon, they're going to pay me a lot of money. And there's a whole concierge thing. And everybody knows that just the way it is, right? That's a fantastic job. We're going to have to start looking at all workers that way. And I will throw one other thing out there. We need the baby boomers to stick around because we are short people. So are they going to want to be at 70 years old? Are they going to want to work long hours? Nope. They're going to say, I want to work for three months when it's convenient to me. I think we're going to see a lot more parents who say, I want to be home. I would like to work a half a week. Who decided 40 hours was the <laughs> Monday through Friday? We're going to start seeing more people say, I'm willing to work, but I want a three-day weekend. I'm willing to work, but I want the summer off. I'm willing to work. Fill in the blank. <laughs> Am I right? 100%. Absolutely. And that only got accelerated through COVID. People started to really connect with the things that are truly most important to them. And it's funny, our tagline is my life, my job, my way. And people really do want it their way. And you know what? They can have it because they have options. So we're, we're even seeing people who at one time may have been chasing the money. And we're finding that in looking at the balance, it's really the whole total compensation package. It's the whole job. It's the company. It's the culture. It's the right fit. And that they may be willing to take a little less pay if they're able to have a more predictable schedule or be home more often or do the type of work that they're the most passionate about. That's what people are generally looking for. Yep. Yep. Before I forget, I want to come back to this in a minute. We met at TMSA, which is Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. And by the way, I met you, that was in Savannah, which right. I absolutely love going to Savannah and I love that conference. I highly recommend TMSA. If you're trying to sell more, and by the way, who is not, you need to get there. And by the way, because it has marketing in there, people go, oh, I don't need marketing. It's not just for marketers. There are salespeople there. And by the way, it's so illuminating. You just see how other people are doing it. And you're like, I can do that. Can't I do it that way? Very impressive. It was a great conference. I met people like you there, but I we were just talking about Courtney George from Wreaths Across America. I met her there. I met so many people there. And I, by the way, Savannah's historic. I love that. Not wild about that humidity, but we know what that's like up here in the Midwest too. For sure. So anyway, how long have you been part of TMSA? Oh, I've been part of TMSA for several years. It was one of the kind of the small first group of organizations that I joined. I really love that organization in particular because the tremendous amount of collaboration and support. Nobody competes that there. Mark <laughs> Nobody competes there. Everybody, we generally, it's this camaraderie in that we're all ultimately look, working for the greater good, lifting each other up, learning from each other. There's a genuine interest in connecting and learning. And I, I just always find it very inspiring and motivating every year. 
I was fortunate. I like the dialogue that happens with love to hear from the shipper's perspective. It's funny, there was one session that was facilitated having a lot of the large shippers speak to the yeah, sales the and marketing shipper panel was awesome that was awesome they're like let me tell you what we don't want you to do were there all the things that annoy us that was a that, i'll tell you what that was like a sales master class because you could hear and those were big companies i won't mention what they are very large shippers sat there and talked very candidly with a group and people were asking them questions and they were very open and forward about everything. There was not, there was no, there was no barrier. I love that. I love that too. And I love the connections. And I was fortunate to be asked with one of my board members actually to uh, Kathleen Kag to go to Chicago's TMSA executive summit, which is a little bit more of an intimate environment with sort of the leaders in the industry and really had an amazing session where we talked about some of the challenges that they face. And if you think about it, Truly, especially in marketing and even the sales in some extent, as a profession, the demands on those professionals and the way that the job itself has changed over the years, they're expected to know how to do everything. It's really amazing. Yep. So anyway, I, I wanted to do the shout out to TMSA because I did. That was my first event. And I know there was the Chicago Executive Summit. I was at another conference Loved it. And again, I, I think the next year they're going to be in New Orleans. and It's the 100th anniversary. Yep. It's going to be a real bash. The other thing I wanted to shout out is we got introduced to the Savannah Bananas when we were down there. And lo and behold, they're coming to Cleveland this coming summer. All so right. hopefully we can have a little TMSA reunion. Watch the bananas <laughs> here in Northeast Ohio. Hallelujah. So let's get back to it. Before we hit record, I said something. I had just read uh, an article, or maybe it's a video, but it was from Craig Fuller over at Freight Waves. And he said, I don't believe we have a truck driver shortage. And I think what he was getting at, and you, I want your two cents because you obviously work in it day to day. And I think what he was getting at is we are able to train lots of drivers. And we have trained hundreds of thousands of drivers who no longer work in the space. And we all, it's a, almost a familiar story now. I was driving a truck, but I'm also a roofer. I'm also um, a builder. I also fill in the blank. And they are leaving our industry because they are skilled people. They are hard workers. If you're willing to work and if you're willing to drive a truck, that is hard work. It is tedious work. You can't uh, daydream like the rest of us in the car. Bar is high. Those guys and gals, increasingly gals, are... Uh, capable and they are able to get jobs a lot of other places and they are doing that. What's your take? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think COVID really magnified the issue. Obviously, in the trucking industry, a lot of the folks that have been professional drivers for years are getting up there in age. You're seeing sort of folks starting to retire. Are they in their late 50s, early 60s? Is that the average age? Yes. And when you get to that point in your life, I'm certainly there. You start to say to yourself, gosh, what am I doing? What am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? And they have choices. So I think you saw a lot of folks move on to try to get into roles that allowed them to be home more. It's a really grueling job. And with all of the choices that are out there, we had a lot of folks jump in, which is great to want to become a, a commercial truck driver, get their CDL, get into the industry. 
But the problem is that you're really competing for talent in every market. It used to be we're just competing with other trucking companies to get drivers, but now you're competing with all the other professions that are out there and pay just as well or better. And so now it, it really broadens the focus and it's even that much more important to make sure that you're dialed in and listening to the needs of your drivers and working hard to retain them. Too many companies view recruiting as a transaction. One and done, it's over. We're courting you in the candidate experience part of the process. And we just did a a driver happiness survey. And did you know that almost 76% of drivers with one to two years experience have looked for a job in the last three months, even though they're just getting in? You have to constantly re-recruit people all throughout the life cycle of their career. It can't just be launch them in because what happens is they leave and they either they'll leave your organization and go to another carrier or they're going to leave the industry altogether. And we've got to fix it. I got to tell you, I started working in the 80s. And when I started working, and people of my age are still wandering around the halls, guys. I My first job, I worked for guys who fought in World War II. And I did for years, I worked for guys who fought in World War II. And then I worked with guys who were in Korea, fought in Korea, and then Vietnam. And so the, the, those guys, they grew up in a different world. And they had no issue with screaming bloody murder and threatening threatening your life if things went wrong. And I worked in engineering. It wasn't like I was working in construction where you expect a little tougher attitude. And I keep thinking, you bring that same mindset. If I was to say, that's how I learned and that's what I'm going to convey to the next generation, they're going to walk out. We have to get out of, and by the way, it always reminds me, it's in the 90s. I had a three-week project. I was at doing this engineering project three weeks before I started another one. And I remember this guy sat me down and recruited me for an hour. And he kept saying, where do you want to be in five years? I was like, dude, I'm doing a three week project for you. (laughs) And then he kept acting in like when we weren't going to finish the project, he goes, you owe it to us. I was like, dude, you're paying me for three weeks and I'm leaving. You made it very clear that this could only be three weeks. And I remember thinking to myself, are you so clueless that you don't recognize what this employer-employee relationship is? I came in because I had a three-week gap. You needed somebody for three weeks. And he was treating me like I was there for 35 years and was going to retire with a gold watch. Completely clueless. And again, I think a lot of those weird attitudes, the cradle to grave, well, Beth, I expect this and you, this for you. Okay, we're... We aren't, we aren't there yet. I just took a little project with you. I just took a lane for you. You aren't, you aren't my overlord. (laughs) That's true. But it's interesting though. I think things are, the pendulum sort of swings back a little bit right now, because I think people are looking for sort of a home, a, a place that they really fit, that they, a culture that they can thrive in and settle down. And people genuinely, everybody wants to succeed and achieve things and grow and develop. And they're really looking for a place they can go and have a career and maybe not stay there 30 years and get the gold watch type of thing, but... Be respected while you're there. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So what would you say, I know you've done a lot of these research and I know you stay on top of it, what would be three or four things that drivers really struggle with and what they want in this environment? Yeah, I would say to you that the biggest 
sort of thing that struck me in our survey this year, 2023 compared to 2019, is pay, of course, is always going to be in the top five. It's got to be right. (laughs) Increase my base compensation, I'll be happier, which is interesting because the National Transportation Institute reported that we've almost increased base pay by nearly 18%, 17.8 or 9%. And yet drivers are still saying, more compensation would make me happy. But you can understand that sort of in today's market where they're not getting maybe the number of loads and the miles that they have. You know, the pay is there, but it's not hitting their pocket, right? Because the productivity piece. But the second top reported issue that drivers brought up this year was they want better communication and listening from management. Predominantly twice as many women than men reported that they want better listening And certainly out of three out of the five drivers who most desired better communication have only been in their roles for under two years. So we really have to connect. You talked about it being a career path and we have to connect with this next generation. They have a different set of expectations. Oh, yeah. We talked about our kids before we hit record. What your daughters, I don't know if you, I have two daughters. I I know you have at least two because I see two back there. Oh, I have two daughters, yes. Yeah. The expectations that they have are very different than what you and I had going into work. And by the way, you mentioned this communication piece. If if somebody isn't listening to you, you feel disrespected. You're like, if I tell you a problem that I'm having or something that I want that I'm not getting, and you go, oh, yeah, Joe, I heard you. And I think you didn't. And now I'm walking away going, you know what? Why am I here? That's right. That's exactly right. And they just want to be heard. They want to be involved. They're not going to take this edicts from above, that type of thing. They want to feel valued and that they're really contributing. And I think that's something that we need to do a better job at really developing the leaders of the future in the industry and the, the managers all the way down to everybody that touches folks that they manage, whether it's a dispatcher, a driver liaison, our manager, the leader of a whole entire organization, we need to create two-way communication, dialogue, feedback, and involve people in solving problems and taking action, which is not necessarily something that we're either good at or have made a priority in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I think we all want to do something good with our life, right? So I want to feel that you mentioned valued and contributing. Everyone wants to feel like I'm valued and contributing and being paid accordingly. And I walk by truck drivers who are at the tractor supply and I talk to them once in a while. And they always mention pay when I ask them what they want. But I also know that that they're sleeping in their sleeper cabs there. And I've also seen them waiting for their hours. Some of them are from Ohio and they're waiting for their hours so they can go back. And so they complain about pay. And by the way, I've heard them, a big trucking company they work for, everyone would recognize it. And they say, yeah, they're really nice to me. They're good, but I want more pay. And I was thinking if I was sitting in my, and if I had to sleep in a truck all night, there's nothing that's going to make that particularly better, but giving me more pay, (laughs) that will help me get over the problem that I have. And I think we also have to make more places that are safe and accommodate them. I think that's one of the challenges we have with getting women to be in this business. It's hard enough to get a woman to say, I'm going to be away from my family and my friends, but also put me in a place that I don't feel safe. I can't do that. 
Yeah, we definitely hear that more pay is something that they look for. But again, pay, like I said, pays risen over the last couple of years, but they're also being asked to do more and they don't necessarily have best conditions. They go to a shipper. There's lots of wait time, potentially. They're on the road. They have trouble finding parking. You name it. There's all kinds of challenges that they face. And is it all worth it in the end? And right now, uh, it's difficult because if there's less freight out there, there's more drivers out there fighting for loads than there are loads to be had. And they're maybe not making the money that they could be or that they were making uh, when they were running all the miles. So these other things become important as well. It's not just all about the pay, because like I said, people are looking at the full picture and looking for other things that are important to them, the equipment, the type of equipment, having better benefits or PTO. And some of these drivers that have been in their job for less than two years that have come into the industry amongst or amidst all of this change after COVID, even though pay increased, some of those haven't even been able to realize some of the detention pay and some of the other changes that have taken place because they just haven't been around long enough. Yeah, we're. I don't think it's going to change. I think it's this kind of almost a permanent thing. How many restaurants have you gone to where they don't have enough wait staff? And you go quite a few. You go, and that is not an easy job. I've worked. I worked in restaurants when I was young. It is a grueling job. You better make it worth their while. Anyway, let's switch gears. Drive My Way solves some of these problems. So how are you guys helping solve the problems we just discussed? Right. So basically, we're a full-on solution. We're really out to make hiring personal again. And we're doing it with the combination of technology as well as the human touch. So we do six things that really completely differentiate us. First, we help a carrier Uh, With storytelling, we help them tease out all of the aspects of their employment value proposition on why a driver would want to work for them and why drivers stay working with them. Because the best place to hear that is from other drivers that are are experiencing that culture. So Drive My Way itself is really an experience. We then will get their opportunity out in front of our driver community, as well as out in the wild to bring attention to the role. That's just reached. Or are you able to push that out when you, that reach reach drivers? Yeah, so we have over 150,000 drivers in Ooh. our you know, community <laughs> engaged. The technology is matching them and uh, scoring them against every unique job so that it's a constant process. And matches are being pushed to both sides a real time to drivers and to the job. And then we are also doing brand awareness campaigns to help get the job and the culture and the company out in front of the right audience in a sharpshooter kind of an approach, as well as paid digital marketing. So we're doing a number of things to highlight the opportunity to really pretty extreme detail. What's a driver eligible for? When did they become eligible for it? What do they have to do to get it? So they get a true picture of the day in the life. And we're measuring it against their own profile of what they said was most important. So it's an easy way for a driver to cut through all the noise because they're literally stalked and really focus on just making actual connections. We curate meaningful connections for them so that um, the driver and the carrier can turn that into a lasting relationship. And it starts with, am I qualified to do this? And do I really want to do this? Is it going to be a right fit for me? And we have a role on our team called the matchmaker 
And our matchmakers work days, nights, and weekends. They're all part-time, but 100% of their job is to just connect with drivers, make sure that they're understanding those opportunities, helping them tell their story on what's most important to them so that they can land the right fit. And it's really that personalized approach with that trusted matchmaker that they enjoy the most. Yeah. And by the way, we didn't talk about it before, but I'm sure that this is one of the reasons we need to work with somebody like Drive My Way is when you think about truck driver, like if you think of if I was to Google truck driver right now, what would pop up is a white dude who's looks big and burly and <laughs> maybe wearing a cap. And the world has changed. A lot of the people who seem to be drivers are uh, immigrants. And we have uh, sometimes husband and wives teams. And we have women more than ever, still a very small minority in the group. Uh, a lot of minority people are in this business. And I think we have to start to say, it can't be one size fits all. Those people that I just described all want something a little different. And by the way, you mentioned the storytelling. I think it would be super powerful if I'm a, a young woman and I want to be in this space and I see, oh, they, this people telling the story here are women. Or if I'm a guy who speaks English as a second language and I go, oh my God, they got people just like me there. That's where I want to work because I already feel a little ill at ease about my English skills. They're being successful there. There's a career path there. Whatever it is that story conveys, it lets us connect. And by the way, that's how we connect our brains. That's why podcasts like mine do well is because you telling your story is easier to connect with than going to your website. Although you have a great website, drivebyway.com. Thank you. <laughs> Check it out, drivemyway.com. <laughs> drivemyway.com. We'll put a link you, in the show notes. That's true. You can actually tell folks too, if they're interested, drivers and, and carriers alike, if you're interested in our latest results of our driver happiness survey, you can get it at hiring.drivemyway.com forward slash happy. Give me a link and we'll put it in the show notes. No problem. So carry on, I interrupted you. So I know you said carrier storytelling, you push this out there and reach and you're matching the right driver who put a profile up on your system with the right carrier. So you're the, that you're that matchmaker in the middle. That's correct. And our value proposition to the driver is we're not here to represent you. You represent yourself, but we're going to help you cut right through. Let's say you're looking for a certain type of haul, a certain run, a certain schedule type of equipment. Maybe you have endorsements and you're looking, you want to travel with your pet. So you want to zero right in on a carrier that's going to offer all of those things as an opportunity. And so we'll get you connected straight away with the hiring manager and the recruiter for each one of those jobs. And then it's up to you. You need to interview them just as much as they're interviewing you to make sure it is that right fit. Yeah. And by the way, that's, I think what we all need from my perspective, I don't want to, I don't want a bad hire. That cost me money. That cost me time that I, I might have trained somebody for three weeks and then they realized, you know what, this isn't for me and no hard feelings. They quit and you're just like, no hard feelings. But I also spent money recruiting and training and investing in this person only to have it not work out. So we both need that matchmaker in the middle to get me the right match. <laughs> That's exactly. And you know what? I guess I can say this because I'm almost doing this 33 years and HR and talent management's my profession. And it's a really tough job. And sometimes you just feel like you're 
overwhelmed with the volume. And I think somewhere along the lines, we took the human out of human resources. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And we, and now with technology, it's even worse. Sometimes you don't even get a shot at it because some, some tech knocked you out of the running and you never even had a chance. But I think today people are looking for a very different experience and recruiters need to really go back to the basics. Like you can have a major impact on someone's life in the job that you do each and every day. And it might not be the right time for a person to make the move now. First, creating that relationship, nurturing that relationship, it's so important. And that's how you're going to be successful. It's not a transaction. It's not right. post it, get a bunch of leads, come flooding in, dial for dollars. It's try to sell them on some something and make it seem like it's going to fit what they want. That's not what people are looking for. Yeah. And by the way, if you think about the... And you know this better than I, but we, at one time there was a personnel department and then they yes. changed it to human resources, which feels very impersonal. You're like, I'm calling these resources. They're just human resources, a little different than my metal resources, my other resources that I have in the building. Uh, and now I'm seeing more and more people. And you just said the word talent. And I saw somebody on LinkedIn had, I'm in, responsible for talent and culture. And I was thought, okay. And I've seen other people say, I'm, I'm responsible for people and talent. And by the way, I think this happens everywhere. We get data and then all of a sudden data starts driving our behavior. But this is about matching one actual human being who's unique to a, a very unique job. Um, bits and bytes won't take us all the way there. It might get us a little bit of the way there, but it won't take you the final mile. Exactly. And there's no two, just as no two people are alike, no two jobs are exactly alike. No two organizations are exactly alike. And it really all has to fit together for both sides to thrive. Yep. So if somebody's listening to my podcast and let's just say they're a carrier and they say, oh, this is exactly what we need. How does this work? It's really very simple. It's a three-step process. A driver comes in for free, creates a profile. The carrier comes in and pays a subscription free. We put the jobs live and the technology pushes real-time matches to both sides. And once a driver takes a positive action toward their job, the two can connect and they take it from there. So you mentioned that these guys are telling their story. So is that part of the carrier profile, so to speak? Yes. So that's where one of our customer success managers will work with them to tease out really what is your story? Why should somebody want to come and work for you? Why do the drivers you have stay working with you? What is unique about your organization? Right. And don't use the cliche, we treat everybody as a person, you're not a number and we're all like a family. <laughs> Describe how, how are you putting that value into action? How do people experience that? What's, what's the real life of it? This is a little bit of marketing. And by the way, we just a talk, lot of marketing. Yeah, we talk about this. You have a website, and I think it describes very well what you do. But anybody who's developed a website knows how hard it is to come up with the right words that tell the story that you want. And you go, I want this to come off as work, quirky, fun company that's great to work with. And then when you look at it, you're like, this is just bad grammar and a stupid story. So you have to put some effort into what makes you different and better for that driver? And if you can tell that story in a compelling way, you're going to be more successful 
getting the right people interested and ideally on board. That's right. Absolutely. And it's not a transaction. It's a you know process of making the right connections. Yep. I say it all the time on my podcast. I don't like transactional stuff. I think when I always say when you're picking a 3PL, when you're picking like a, a recruiting partner like you, you aren't dating, you aren't engaged, you are married, you are joined at the hip, their problems become your problems. And we need to start looking at this business that way. By the way, all the freight fraud and double brokering, I'm not uh, saying it can all be solved with relationships, but some of it can be. <laughs> so we need to have those For sure. back to people. We can use the technology, the cool technology like you guys have, but it can't be the only piece. Yeah, it's got to be an open and transparent process. At the end of the day, why not just put it out there and spend your time with the people that are seemingly a fit and then everybody can be happy. So Beth, put a bow on this bad boy. Talk about the putting the right fit for drivers. Yeah, so that's ultimately what it is. And I think for me, every what we're able to do in having recruiters think about the immense impact that they can have on people's lives is this process, this drive my way experience allows a recruiter to actually start recruiting the way they themselves would want to be recruited. Think about it. Everybody at some point goes through a process of getting a job and think about all the things that you hated when you went through the process yourself, right? This sort of turns the tables a bit in when you're getting at some important attributes to folks. The work is the work, right? And if you look at common jobs, there's a lot of similarities in what is the work involved. But it's all those other things that really paint the rest of the picture. And that's really what we like to focus on. It doesn't mean that you can't, you still have to have the skills and the competencies to do the work. And these jobs are not easy. You you often, you have to have great communication skills. You have to be a planner, a problem solver, able to deal with ambiguity, have a- be patient as hell to be a driver. Patient. I can't can't stand the construction going on in my state right now. I can't go anywhere without being in a traffic jam. And every time I see a truck driver, I think, you do this all day. I do it for a half hour. (laughs) Exactly. It's the patience and the attention to detail. There's so many things that go into it. And I just think people overlook it. it. It doesn't get the respect that truly deserves. And we're just trying to highlight that there are all kinds of aspects to the job and we know what you have to have in order to be successful doing it. So it's just a matter of matching you up with that right opportunity. And what's right for you now may not be right for you down the road. And we had a, this was a true story on one that I was involved with. We had a driver who'd driven for the same organization for many years. He was an over the road driver. He hadn't had a need to look for another job in all these years And unfortunately, his wife came down with cancer and he needed to be home more. He needed to take her to all of her treatments. And his company only did over the road. There were no other options. So it forced him into a situation to have to look for something new. And he reached out to one of our matchmakers and just said, help me through this. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never had to do this before. But my needs changed now, right? I have a different priorities. And so that's going to force me to have to find another fit even though I was super happy with where I was and what I was doing. This is life. And again, you're treating these guys like they have a life. And by the way, all the rest, 
everybody who goes to listen to my podcast, a lot of people went to great schools and they got great degrees and all that. They expected to be recruited to a company that really cared about them. We're going to have to treat everybody in this world the same way. And by the way, I think we all want to. So I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your uh, website. And then if you can give me a link to that report and it's the driver happiness report. Yep. It's the driver happiness report, the state of satisfaction among professional drivers. I love it. We'll put all those links. If you give me those links, I'll put them in the show notes. Beth, I like to interview the rock stars of this industry, people who are killing it like you. Who else should I interview? Oh, gosh. The list is long. (laughs) So many different people for so many reasons. Give you a few. I just talked to one of them this morning, somebody who's out there who really has the knack and commitment to building strong relationships in the driver community would be Casey Phillips, who is the host for Sirius XM's Road Dog Radio. I love it. Casey's show is really all about drivers calling in, talking about the their profession, the topics that are important to them in the industry. And he gives them an open forum to discuss those items. Tangential to that, Leah Shaver, who's the CEO for the National Transportation Institute, They are really the authority on driver wages, and she does a a segment with Casey on SiriusXM on the first Thursday of every month called Payday. So the drivers call in and talk to an expert about their struggles and concerns or questions that they have about pay. She also fills in for Casey once in a while. And then another one that I just was very fortunate to have the opportunity to interview. They're one of our valued partner clients and a good colleague and a great friend would be David Pike, who's the director of recruiting for NFI. David has an amazing talk about storytelling story in his very decorated career that started in the Marines. And he even did some recruiting for the Marines. And that's when he fell in love with recruiting and the the impact that you could have on people's lives. And that's followed him through his career now in leading teams to recruit in the trucking industry. And he's doing a lot of work in bringing to light some of the challenges that organizations need to be aware of when it comes to working with veterans. And there is a a lot of, I think I, I, don't have the stats on this, but I suspect logistics and supply chain has more uh, military veterans than any other space. Yeah. Oh, no. I think the latest stat was one in every four drivers yeah. um, comes with a military background. So he he's doing a lot of work in this space and the things you need to think about in in having those with a military background doing this re-entry back into the workforce. Yeah. By the way, I'm not the only one who says this, but the military... Way back in the day, they invented logistics. There's no logistics without them. And their logistics is a little different in that they're supporting troops who are moving and being shot at. <laughs> and they are delivering life and death. <laughs> their deliveries are life and death. We think our deliveries are important, but they are not as important as, as those. So that's why we need logistics people who have that You should talk background. to a couple drivers, Joe. I have. I'm sure they'd love to be happy. You have talked to a few of them. Good. That's great. It's always good to hear straight from yes from the professionals. Yep. What conferences will we see you and the fine folks from Drive My Way? I know we'll see you at TMSA. 
Oh, absolutely. Hands down. We we just came back from the Women in Trucking Conference, which was absolutely amazing. One of my favorite conferences every year. I've interviewed them. <laughs> You've interviewed Women Trucking. Yep. Trying to coordinate my schedule to see if I can make it to D.C. for the Veterans Summit. Not sure if I'm going to be able to go this year, but that was on my list. And then looking forward to attending Matt's, the Mid-America Truck Show in March. Awesome. Awesome. Beth, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And finally, again, I was supposed to interview you. I thought I was going to interview you last July when I met. I think we met in June in Savannah at TMFA. In the summer. And I thought, oh, we'll do this in July. And I was just like, it was like when I saw you on my calendar, I was like, finally, here it is. We fit, fit in by the end of the year. You're a busy lady. But thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and Connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.